In the time of King David, before a soldier would go out to the battlefield, he would give his wife a get. That way, there was no concern that he would be lost and she would remain an aguna. Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 9, Duff Tess of Tractate Subas. And we learn why that practice stopped. Why think of the worst before a situation arises? Let's think positively. Let's introduce positive energy. When we think the right thing, then good things happen. Today's Transformative Duff podcast has been generously sponsored by Neville Khan in memory of his father Murray to mark the Shloshim. I'd like to take this moment to wish long life to Sylvia, to Neville, to Clive, to David and to the entire family. It was always such a delight to see Murray at family simchas, at Norwood events. He would give his classic priestly blessing. He really had me going for all those years, knowing that Khan is a typical Cohen name. While he wasn't a Cohen, he loved giving blessings. May his memory be a blessing for all of us. To dedicate an episode of the Transformative Duff podcast, please email me, transformativeduff at gmail.com. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. From the adjacent rooftop, David Amelech caught a glimpse of Batsheva. Immediately overwhelmed by her grace, he was determined to bring her into the palace to be his queen. But there was one small hitch. Batsheva was married to Uriah, the mighty commander of his troops. David wasted no time. He summoned Uriah and instructed him to lead his soldiers to the front lines of the battlefield. No sooner had Uriah departed than David invited Bathsheba to be with him, and following Uriah's death, she became his queen. A short while later, the prophet Natan appeared before David Amalek and chastised him for his behavior. As far as the Torah is concerned, no man is above the law, not even the king. As punishment for his behavior, he and Bathsheba would lose a child. The next child, however, would grow up to be the heir to the throne, the great King Solomon. In the case of an illicit relationship, Halacha dictates that even following the dissolution of the marriage due to death or divorce, the couple who had engaged in the illicit relationship may not marry. And so if David took Bathsheba unto himself while she was yet married to Uriah, why were they not subsequently forbidden to marry one another? Let's look at today's Gemara. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni quoted Rabbi Yonason, whoever would go out to war in the house of David's army would write a get of divorce to his wife. Let's analyze the Gemara. War is never pretty. It wreaks long-term damage on the besieged civilians as well as the soldiers and their families. Many young men fail to return from the battlefield, leaving their wives widows, or worse yet, chained women and a gunna. There are different ways that these women might be chained in Jewish law. If the husband goes missing and nobody is able to testify that he died, his wife becomes an aguna and is unable to remarry until she receives a verified report of her husband's death. Another instance of the chained wife is where the husband's death was verified, but they had no children. In such a case, she is chained to his brother and they must perform either the yibum ceremony or the chalitza ritual depending on whether they wish to maintain the union or not. In order to avoid these unfortunate situations, David Amelech decreed that his troops should divorce their wives prior to heading out to battle. 
Rabbeinu Tab explains that the get would take effect immediately, completely dissolving the marriage. Upon a soldier's return, the couple would remarry. And so when David consorted with Bathsheba, she was legally single, making their relationship technically permissible. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, as the prophet Natan made abundantly clear, while technically he might not have sinned, David committed a grave error of moral judgment. The story of David's shame is an excellent example of the truth of Torah. Most other religious texts would gloss over their hero's personal moral shortcomings, not the Torah. As king, David certainly would have had the wherewithal to edit the final copy of the story told about him and erase his indiscretion from the Tanakh. But when it's God's word, nobody escapes the truth, not even Moshe Rabbeinu. Nevertheless, the story of David and Bathsheba remains one of the hardest stories in Tanakh to digest. Despite the understanding that David didn't technically sin, we still wonder how it happened. How could King David, author of Tehillim, a great tzaddik, have committed such an egregious error of moral judgment? Let's return to the initial cause of the events. The Gemara states that it was a Davidian institution that soldiers should get divorced prior to heading out to battle. From where did David Amalek get the idea? According to many commentators, it wasn't David's original idea. Moshe Rabbeinu was the first to make such an enactment for soldiers who were married but childless and went out to war. In order to avoid the complications of Yibum and Chalitza, such soldiers would divorce their wives prior to their departure. David Amalek took the idea a step further and decreed that all soldiers, irrespective of whether they had children, should get divorced before heading out to the battlefield. After all, reasoned David, who knew if any of them would return? And indeed, many women were undoubtedly spared from the terrible plight of spending their lives chained to their missing husbands. Nevertheless, in David's case, this injunction had unfortunate consequences. David took advantage of the fact that Uriah had divorced his wife. Even if Uriah had returned safe and sound, it's disconcerting to think about how the ensuing relationships would have played out. And presumably, Bathsheba and Uriah's marriage wasn't the only one negatively impacted by the injunction. Given David's royal position, it was just their story that made news. We have no indication as to how long this practice remained in effect. Certainly, Israeli soldiers who go out to war today do not divorce their wives, despite the very real risks of not returning, God forbid. But the story of David and Bathsheba would have given the rabbis pause concerning the wisdom and effectiveness of the enactment. And rightly so. After all, despite the insurance and security offered by the decree, the ramifications were clearly psychologically and practically detrimental. Picture the scene as a reservist is leaving his wife and children. They cast their gazes longingly in his direction, hoping he'll be home soon. But instead of assuring them of his imminent return, he hands his wife a get. Why would we set out assuming the worst outcome? When we embark on a venture with the assumption that things will turn out bad, we open ourselves up to negative energy. That perspective has the power, God forbid, to kickstart a self-fulfilling prophecy. Rabbi Yossi teaches that one should never give the Satan an opening. The right attitude of a believing soldier would have been to mobilize all the positive energy in the room and assure his family that with Hashem's help, everything will be okay. Think about the challenges in your own life. It's natural to be worried and scared. There may be major issues that you're dealing with right now, but you mustn't allow the Satan to win. Instead of assuming the worst, you need to switch those negative fears to positive thoughts. 
Simply switching perspective and ceasing to assume the worst opens the faucet to a positive flow of divine energy and will impact the ultimate outcome. Even when life seems bleak, tell yourself, I know that according to the laws of nature, things may appear problematic, but that's of no consequence because Hashem works in the supernatural realm. You may have been laid off from work and are feeling pretty rotten, but remember, the Almighty has the power to grant you a job earning twice as much in the blink of an eye. Maybe you've received a terrifying medical report and don't know where to turn. Here's the key. Never lose hope because only the Almighty gets to determine our health condition. Keep thinking positively and invite the divine light to flow into your life to overpower the natural order. If the doctors have told you that there's a 90% chance you won't make it, what you should be hearing is that 1 in 10 people do heal. Why shouldn't that be you? When we believe in miracles, we make room for them to enter. A popular Yiddish adage says, Tracht gut, wird sein gut. Think good and it will be good. You have the choice whether to assume the worst or the best possible outcome. Will you be controlled by the natural order? Or will you make a determined effort to draw down spiritual energy? May you constantly fill your mind with positivity and invite the divine energy to emanate throughout your life, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.